0: This is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor at Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 21st installment on Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body by Pope John Paul II. These are the 133 catechesis Pope John Paul II gave during the years 1979 1984. We're using the edition translated and edited by M- Professor Michael Waldstein. In the last meditation, we analyzed the sentence of Genesis, chapter 4, verse 1, and in particular, the term new, which is used in the original text to define conjugal union. We also pointed out that this biblical knowledge establishes a kind of personal archetype of human bodiliness and sexuality. This seems absolutely fundamental for understanding man who from the beginning is in search of the meaning of his own body. This meaning stands at the very basis of the theology of the body. The term new united himself Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 synthesizes the whole destiny of the biblical text analyzed so far. According to Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the man who for the first time knows the woman, his wife, in the act of conjugal union, is in fact the same one who, in giving names, that is, also by knowing, differentiated himself from the whole world of living beings or animalia, thus affirming himself as a person and a subject the knowledge about which Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 speaks, does not and cannot distance him from the level of that primordial and fundamental self-consciousness for this reason. Whatever a one-sidedly naturalistic mentality may affirm about it, what happens in Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 cannot be a passive acceptance of one's own determination on the part of the body and of its sex, precisely because it is a question of knowledge. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 points instead to a further discovery of the meaning of one's own body, a common and reciprocal discovery, just as the existence of man whom God created male and female is common and reciprocal from the beginning. The knowledge that stood at the basis of man's original solitude stands now at the basis of this unity of man and woman, the clear perspective of which the Creator included in the very mystery of creation, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, chapter 2, verse 23. In this knowledge, man confirms the meaning of the name Eve given to his wife because she was mother of all the living. Genesis chapter 3 verse 20. Fatherhood and motherhood as the human meaning of knowledge. According to Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, the one who knows is the man, and the one who is known is the woman, the wife. It seems as if the specific determination of the woman through her own body and her sex hides what constitutes the very depth of her femininity. The man, by contrast, is the one who, after sin, was the first to feel the shame of his nakedness and the first to say, I was afraid because I am naked and I hid myself. Genesis chapter 3 verse 10. We will have to return separately to the state of mind of both after the loss of original innocence. Already now, however, we should observe that that in Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, the mystery of femininity manifests and reveals itself in the full depth through motherhood. As the text says, who conceived and gave birth. The woman stands before the man as mother, subject of the new human life that is conceived and develops in her and is born from her into the world. In this way, what also reveals itself is the mystery of the man's masculinity that is the generative and paternal meaning of his body. The theology of the body contained in Genesis is concise and sparing with words. At the same time, fundamental and in some sense primary and definitive contents find expression in it. All human beings find themselves in their own way in that biblical knowledge. Woman's constitution differs from that of man. In fact, we know today that it is different even in the deepest biophysiological determinants. The difference is shown only in a limited measure on the outside in the build and form of her body. Motherhood shows this constitution from within, as a particular power of the feminine organism, which serves with creative specificity for the conception and generation of human beings with the concurrence of the man. Knowledge conditions begetting. Begetting is a perspective that man and woman insert into their reciprocal knowledge. Begetting goes thus beyond the limits of the subject-object that man and woman seem to be for each other, given that knowledge indicates on the one hand he who knows, and on the other she who is known, or vice versa. This knowledge includes also the consummation of marriage, the specific consummatum. In this way, one obtains the the grasp of the objectivity of the body, hidden in the somatic powers of man and woman, and at the same time, the grasp of the objectivity of man, who is this body. Through the body, the human person is husband and wife. At the same time, in this particular act of knowledge, mediated by personal masculinity and femininity, one seems to reach also the discovery of the pure subjectivity of the gift, that is, mutual self-realization in the gift. Procreation brings it about that the man and the woman, his wife, know each other reciprocally in the third originated by both. For this reason, this knowledge becomes in some way a revelation of the new man in whom both the man and the woman again recognize each other, their humanity, their living image. In everything that is determined by both body and sex, knowledge inscribes a living and real content. Consequently, knowledge in the biblical sense signifies that man's biological determination on the part of his body and his sex is no longer something passive but reaches a level and content specific to self-consciousness and self-determining persons. Therefore, it brings with it a particular consciousness of the meaning of the human body bound to fatherhood and motherhood. The whole exterior constitution of woman's body, its particular look, the qualities that stand with the power of a perennial attraction, at the beginning of the knowledge about which Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 and 2 speaks, Adam united himself with Eve, are in strict union with motherhood, with the simplicity characteristic of it. The Bible, and the liturgy following it honors and praises throughout the centuries the womb that bore you in the breast from which you sucked milk. Luke chapter 11, verse 27. These words are a eulogy of motherhood, of femininity, of the feminine body in its typical expression of creative love, and in the gospel these words refer to the mother of Jesus, Mary, the second Eve, the first woman, on the other hand, at the moment in which the maternal maturity of her body revealed itself for the first time, when she conceived and bore, said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. These words express the whole theological depth of the function of begetting, procreating, The body of the woman becomes a place of the conception of the new human being. In her womb, the human being takes on its characteristic human appearance before being brought into the world. The somatic homogeneity of man and woman, which found its first expression in the words, This is flesh from my flesh and bone from my bone, Genesis chapter two verse twenty three is confirmed in turn by the words of the first woman mother, I have acquired a man. The first woman to give birth has full awareness of the mystery of creation which renews itself in human generation. She also has full awareness of the creative participation. God has in human generation, his work and that of her husband, because, she says, I acquired a man from the Lord. There cannot be any confusion between the spheres of action of the causes. The first parents transmit to all human parents, even after sin, together with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and on the threshold, as it were, of all historical experiences, the fundamental truth about the birth of man in the image of God, according to the laws of nature. In this new man, born from the woman, parent through the work of the man, parent the same image of God is reproduced every time. The image of that God who constituted the humanity of the first man God created man in his image, male and female he created them. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 Knowledge and Possession Although there are deep differences between the state of original innocence and the state of man's hereditary sinfulness, that image of God constitutes a basis of continuity and unity. The knowledge about which Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 speaks is the act that originates being, or, in union with the Creator, establishes a new human being in existence. In his transcendental solitude, the first man took possession of the visible world created for him by knowing and giving their names to living beings, anomalia, since the same man as male and female knows himself reciprocally in this specific community communion of persons in which man and woman unite so closely with each other that they become one flesh. He constitutes humanity, that is, he confirms and renews the existence of man as image of God. Every time both man and woman take this image again, so to speak, from the mystery of creation and transmit it with the help of God, Yahweh, the words of Genesis that bear witness to the first birth of man on earth contain at the same time everything that one can and should say about the dignity of human generation. And with these words, Pope John Paul II ends his 21st Catechesis, Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. It's good for us to situate these words of Pope John Paul II in his 21st Catechesis. We're in part one of Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. Chapter one, Christ Appeals to the Beginning. Number six of that chapter, Knowledge and Procreation. And in this section, Pope John Paul II is going over three parts of that number six of chapter one knowledge as personal archetype, fatherhood and motherhood as the human meaning of knowledge, and knowledge and possession. Over ten times, Pope John Paul II focuses on knowledge in this 21st Catechesis. He analyzes, again, knowledge. He went over it last time, Yada, the Hebrew word, to know. Adam knew his wife, and she conceived. Knowledge is not just What we know, rationally speaking, two plus two equals four. Washington, D.C. is the capital of the United States. Nashville is the capital of Tennessee. George Washington was our first president in the United States of America. These are things we know, but there's a different knowledge, the knowledge between husband and wife, heart to heart, and carnal knowledge, the knowledge of husband and wife when they make love. Knowledge establishes a kind of personal archetype. Pope John Paul II here cites Carl Gustav Jung. He's not endorsing all of his work, obviously, but whatever insights he can garner. He even points out that Freud doesn't use the archetypical terminology, but the reality is there nonetheless even in Freud, and so there you have it. What made man different from the other animals? His ability to know he is able to differentiate one creature from another. This is a giraffe. This is a lion. This is a trout. This is a salmon. This is an Amazon parrot. This is a sparrow. The birds of the air, the beasts of the field, the fish of the sea, they recognize each other, perhaps, at least as predator or not. But can they classify them as we are able to classify them? Study them as we are able to study them? Heal them, cure them as we're able to in our veterinary sciences. Our ability to abstract, to apply universals, and to share knowledge, abstract knowledge. Not just to build a house, a structure, be it an igloo, or a skyscraper, or a brick house, or a teepee. All of these human dwelling places, but sparrows only make sparrow homes. And beavers only make beaver homes. You see what I'm getting at. Knowledge is a basis for the original solitude, and the Holy Father had treated original solitude earlier, and it was based on this ability to know. Adam recognized he was not like all the other creatures, and it was then that he discovered his wife Eve. This one at last, bone of my bone. But the two of them together were still unlike any other creature on the face of the earth, and they're different because they were made in the image of God. Male and female They were made in the image of God, and that is still true for us today. Pope John Paul II, in this 21st Catechesis, speaks to us about reciprocal knowledge, the reciprocal knowledge of the husband and the wife, the knower and the known. And at first, he just says the husband knows the wife and the wife is known, but later he he points out that it's vice versa as well. There's reciprocity here. Sometimes you meet a couple and they're able to finish each other's sentences after so many years of holy marriage. This is just one aspect of that reciprocal knowledge. Pope John Paul II in this 21st Catechesis of the Theology of the Body, Man and Woman, He Created Them, speaks of external and internal, inside and outside, a sort of knowledge of the other, this reciprocal knowledge, husband for wife, wife for husband, externally or from the outside, the bodily constitution, the biophysiological, the build, the form, one and of the other, but within or the inside knowledge of motherhood, of fatherhood, maternity, paternity. This is a different sort of knowledge and the fruit of the aforementioned knowledge. Adam knew his wife. Knowledge is not just what can be quantified, not just empirical sciences. Pope John Paul II in this 21st Catechesis instructs us that knowledge conditions begetting, and this is hearkening back to Genesis. Adam knew his wife, and she conceived. To beget is to conceive, to bring into being, to get into being, beget. When we speak in Sacred theology about the processions of the persons of the Trinity, the eternal Son of the eternal Father is not created but begotten. Mysterious an eternal begetting. When speaking about motherhood and knowledge about motherhood, Pope John Paul II again returns to this exterior constitution, the exterior knowledge of the woman's body, of the look of the woman, of the quality of the woman, of the power of her perennial attraction. Four different aspects. This does not exhaust the knowledge of a mother or of a woman, I'm sure. But here we see indications given by the Holy Father. And while he doesn't focus on it here, perhaps the same can be done in regards to the Father, to the man. Pope John Paul II speaks to us in this 21st Catechesis of the Tree of Knowledge of Good and Evil. And this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is not just something from the Garden of Eden. Oh no, we know that the cross of Christ Jesus, crucified and glorified, is the definitive tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is the definitive tree of everlasting life. And we receive the fruit of this tree at the Eucharistic sacrifice, which makes it present. When Christ gave up his life's blood for his bride, Mother Church, whom he knows intimately, a knowledge which is fruitful, for it brings us into our being as adopted sons and daughters of God most high, adopted brothers and sisters of Christ the Lord. This is the theology of the body, the body of Christ, himself born of the Virgin Mary, the body of Christ, which is mother church born from Christ's pierced side. In treating knowledge, again, Pope John Paul II, in this 21st catechesis of man and woman, he created them, a theology of the body, he reminds us, the Pope does, that knowledge establishes a new human being in existence, the fruit of the parent's love. Mommy and daddy, the husband and the wife, they give the body, but God gives the soul, a new being, one who never has been before, who can never be repeated. This is what is special in procreation. In the fruit of this love for husband and wife, this knowledge establishes a new human being in existence. Twice in this 21st Catechesis, Pope John Paul II identifies his subject, the theology of the body. He says of the theology of the body in this Catechesis, that the meaning of the human body is understood from the beginning. That's the theology of the body, that there's meaning to the human body, and the human body is understood from the beginning. Theology is the science of God. Theos, God, theology, is the study of. So the theology of the body studies the human body in light of divine revelation of old through the prophets and in the fullness of time through Christ. Christ who reveals not only God to us, but us to ourselves, from whence we come to where we hope to go, where he's gone we hope to follow. The second reference Pope John Paul II makes in this 21st catechesis of man and woman, he created them, the theology of the body, reminds us that the theology of the body is contained in Genesis. It is concise. It is sparing in words. It is primary, and it is definitive, concise. Short, sweet, and to the point. God is not verbose. Perhaps your radio preacher is, but God hits right to the heart, straight to the core of the issue. Sparing in words, no fluff. Genesis is the primary text, the primary source. This radio broadcast, these podcasts, this is not the primary source. Even Pope John Paul II's great master work, Theology of the Body, is not the primary source. The primary source is Genesis, the inspired word of God. This is where we delve into the mystery of creation and redemption. This is where we delve into the mystery of our very being made in the image of God. The theology of the body is contained in Genesis, and it is definitive. It was not only true For Thomas Aquinas in 1274, it was not only true for Gregory the Great or Augustine in centuries before him. It was not only true for the fathers of the Second Vatican Council, 1962 to 1965. It is true for all ages, from the first time those inspired words were consigned to writing until the consummation of the age, no pun intended. Until Christ returns in glory, the theology of the body based in these sacred words of Genesis stands. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. This is the word of God, God who is eternal, God who has made us for himself, God in whose image we are made. There are those, and there have been those, who would discount the sacred scriptures, the inspired word of God, the holy Bible. Genesis. But Pope John Paul II is not one of those, and please God, neither are you. For my part, I stand with the Pope. Pope John Paul II, in this 21st Catechesis on man and woman, he created them a theology of the body, anticipates his later papal magisterium. He delivered these Wednesday addresses in the opening years of his pontificate. As Bishop of Rome, he catechized the faithful, whichever portion of the faithful were present for those Wednesday audiences. Other presentations of his pastoral ministry, his ministry of service to the whole church, included his letters written. On different occasions, on the Redeemer of Man, Redemptor Hominis; on the salvific nature of suffering, Salvifice dolores, on the dignity and vocation of women, mulieris dignitatem. This is anticipated in this passage of his Catechesis, Theology of the Body. I say it's an anticipation of mulieris dignitatem because Pope John Paul II reminds us in this Catechesis that the mystery of Femininity is manifest and revealed in its full depth through motherhood. John Paul II further praises woman in this passage of his 21st Catechesis on the Theology of the Body in regards to the Mother of God, the Virgin Mary. Pope John Paul II cites the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 11, verse 27, when a woman cried out, Bless the womb that bore you and the breast from which you sucked. These words, a eulogy of motherhood, of femininity. Pope John Paul II not only wrote about Mulieri's Dignitatem, on the dignity and vocation of woman, but also he wrote about the Mother of God, Mater Redemptoris, Mother of the Redeemer. So we can see that the thought expressed in the theology of the body is not unrelated to the rest of his magisterial work his teaching, the Christian faith, to confirm the brethren in the faith, as our Lord commanded Saint Peter, but while the Holy Father praises the Mother of God, the Virgin Mary, while he praises the dignity and vocation of women, he also acknowledges that man's masculinity, his paternity, his generative powers are likewise no less mysterious. Because the man is made in the image and the woman made in the image of God. Both reciprocity, even though God is a spirit, our souls, spiritual part of our being. Our ability to know and to love, this is part of our being in the image of God before the incarnation even. And then Christ received his flesh from his blessed mother. And now in his glorified body he awaits the sound of the trumpet. We await his return in glory to judge the living and the dead. And to the extent that we put the theology of the body into practice, to the extent that we know our faith and live our faith, acting accordingly, it will go well with us. Pope John Paul II in this 21st Catechesis of man and woman, he created them a theology of the body, reminds us that through the body, the human person is husband, wife, We are embodied spirits. I'm not just my body. I'm not just my soul. Body, soul, composite. The body reveals the person, he says elsewhere. In this 21st Catechesis, the Holy Father speaks to us about the dignity of procreation. The husband and the wife, the father and the mother, they're part of the procreation. God gives the soul. God gives the soul. God gives the soul. But the husband and wife, they give the matter and the proper place for conception is not a glass dish on a lab somewhere, but in the womb of the mother, as a consequence of the nuptial embrace. This is part of the theology of the body, the dignity of procreation, of begetting procreation. In this way, the mystery of creation is renewed, human generation. That's part of God's divine plan. Until next time, God bless you.